What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky series. Um, I had my moment last week. I got five <laughs> movies for the price of one. And so it was only right that Roshane was able to extend such an offer uh, for me as well. And you know what? I'm actually quite happy that you did because as you homies know, sometimes if nobody pushes me to do or watch something, that shit might not get watched. And this is a show that I expressed adamant interest in when it came out and (laughs) swiftly did not watch at all. You know, I feel like you're not the only person. So this is good. But yes, I definitely took some liberties this week with my pick. Um, as most of you know, Erica did have me watch every single Twilight film last week. So in response, uh, we decided to kind of tackle two birds with one stone mm-hmm. here. Because one, um, this is a show that I've just meaning to talk to anyone about in general. And so like getting to talk to you about it is a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Um, but also... It's kind of a fun way to also tie back into our Black History Month and shine some light on some more Black-centric projects. Mm-hmm. Um, because this particular project has a lot of Black people in it. And yeah. it's uh, very nice to see, um, especially coming from the minds of Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors, mm-hmm. um, especially somebody who's a big fan of Atlanta. This show, to me, had a lot of Atlanta vibes. Definitely. Right? Definitely. But leaning into more of the thriller, which at the time had me really pumped and really excited because I do think I watched this series a little bit after I had finished Atlanta. So I was already, no pun intended, buzzing with energy mm-hmm. with this kind of style of a TV show. And now I'm very excited that you have finally watched it and we have a chance to talk about it. I'm finally on board and... I am also very excited to talk about it because I do think that this is one of those shows where I kind of need to break down and dissect my thoughts a little bit, bounce them off of uh, someone else to really hone in on how exactly I feel about this show because I do think you're right. Swarm and Atlanta very much live within the same universe in Mm -hmm. my opinion especially the more that I watched this show, the more I thought, okay, I get it. I we're we're kind of leaning into Atlanta, particularly like later Atlanta, where I think they really leaned more into the kind of heightened uh, like kind of the off kind of reality. Yeah, where yeah. there were aspects of of reality, but it we definitely were heightening a lot of things to an absurd quality. This show, though, to me, that straight off of the gate, the very first episode felt like that. And I think I just wasn't quite prepared (laughs) Mm -hmm. for that tone. And so it kind of pushed me like it kind of threw me back. I was like, (laughs) oh, the whole first episode, I didn't I was a little bit taken aback. 
But I think once I opened myself up to that fact and really realized that I was much more on board because I had kind of understood what we were doing. Uh-huh. And you would think I would have known that, yeah, with <laughs> with who was attached to the prod the project. You think I would have been a bit more prepared for that, but <laughs> I I I honestly kind of went into this knowing what it was about. Mm-hmm. But not really knowing much more from that. I also will say, I think from the clips that were shown on social media, because I would see clips from their the swarm, official swarm, you know, account. Yeah. And those clips, I think they usually would take took the more kind of serious, straightforward moments. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of piecing those together in my head, creating a show that wasn't horribly far off from what we got but was just mm-hmm. tonally different for for me. Right. And I think, again, you are probably in the camp of a lot of people, probably mm-hmm. a lot of people even listening to this episode, um, where I think we all had a general idea of what this show was about, especially due to the premise of the, you know, obsessed fan over the um, very similar artist to artists in our reality. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people going in knew that this was the show about the crazed, um, you know, pop star fan. Mm -hmm. But what all of that entails, I think, was still left up to a mystery for a lot of people until they actually watched this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's exciting. I'm very pumped. I am curious what the watch, like, what the watch method for this show was for you. Like, how many episodes got binged? Like, what, what was your system? tackling this um honestly i had decided for myself i was going to split it into two halves Mm. however once i started watching them it it is actually perfect length to be binged i will say that it's so bingeable that's really why i'm asking you so easy to do which once again i didn't know that going in however i did end up sticking to my plan of half and half so i watched three episodes the first day and then four episodes the next day um Mm -hmm. which yeah like i said i definitely think if i had started watching it earlier in the day i could have knocked all of them out and still had half my day left and been Mm -hmm. fine for my stress levels, I am kind of happy that I split it up because it is it's a show that did make me feel a little a little itchy. You know, I was I was like, eh, I will I do need a break. A little no, bit of a break. Fair. But yeah, I I totally think that this is the perfect each episode is not too long. It's just mm-hmm. long enough where you get a lot of meat. Um, but not too long where you're choking on the bones and then you can mm-hmm. get through, it's only seven episodes. So you can only seven episodes get through pretty easy, which is very crazy. Especially if like, if you were like me and went into watching it, not knowing how kind of short yeah. it was, bro, the way I was pressed when I finished <laughs> it in like two days, I was like, what happened? Mm-hmm. It, it goes by so quickly, but that's, I think one of the big pros of it is like, it is like like we're saying, very easy to watch all of these episodes yeah. and not a lot of sittings. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of content in there, a lot of varying levels of intensity. And I think it's about time we just kind of jump in and talk about some of these points. Yeah, um, let's let's get into it. 
Two quick things before we do so. First, we've got to do our shout out for this episode. Indeed. So this week's shout out is going to be the Scream Kings podcast. That's Kings with a Z. And this podcast is comprised of Taman Kane, Marco Westis, Michael, a.k.a. Thackeray Banks 86, and Bobby Torres. Both Bobby and Michael also have a podcast of their own called The People Under the Scares. Um, all wonderful content creators and all melanated brothers that you should be following if you aren't already. You can keep up with their podcast on YouTube and you can follow all of these wonderful creators on their Instagram page as well. And secondly, do we want to do a scare scale for this series? That's a great question. I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I'll say this. I don't, for me personally, I don't find Swarm scary. Yeah. I just find it more tense. Um, right. So I don't know if maybe you want to do like a... A stress scale, maybe? A stress scale. Yeah, we can do a stress scale. a little bit more appropriate for this, yeah. for this series. So, okay, we'll do a stress scale. One to five, five being I'm covered in sweat. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't breathe. It's too much. And one being I'm having a snack. I'm chilling. I'm having a good old time. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Because I think I know exactly where mine is. Why don't you, why don't you go <laughs> ahead and go first? <laughs> okay. I'm going to put my stress scale out of four out of five. I don't okay. think this movie to me wasn't the height of stress movie this show to me wasn't the height of stress in the sense of i wasn't ever to the point where i felt oh my gosh i can't take this but i definitely reached some moments where i thought oh i kind of want to if i could fast forward through this moment i would i won't mm -hmm. because i need to know what's going to happen but it was very very stressful for me particularly as some of the episodes go on i think because we are so much dre we are we are so much from dre's pov and like knowing what we know about her and going through these experiences with her was making me very stressed out and and even the circumstances that she was getting herself into i just it was hard for me to cope. I, I did have a little bit of wiggle room and I do think that there's enough like comedy and breath in this that it never feels too mm -hmm. heavy. I think if there weren't comedic moments in this show, it would be a five because I wouldn't be able to bring like I wouldn't have a moment of lightness. But since there was, <laughs> I will bring it down to a four. OK, fair enough. Um, I actually think I'm right there with you. I think a four out of five on the stress level is pretty appropriate, um, even as a second time watcher. Uh, I still think the stress remains like it doesn't go away the second time through, mm. which is both a good and bad thing, I guess. Um, but I think you touch on a very big point of that. And it is that Dre POV where the more you know about Dre, the more stressful hanging out with Dre becomes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so now, like coming into this series, having seen it once before, I already knew from the jump who this character was and what they were going to get themselves into. Mm. And it was watching the series of events unfold to lead to these big plot points. That's where all the stress was for me. Cause it's just like, you want, you want to scream at the screen being like, run, don't hang out with her. Don't right. talk to her. Like you want to do all these things, but you just have to sit there and watch. And that for me was so stressful, mm -hmm. even this time through. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but 
in the flip side too though i also agree that it's not a five because they do do a good job of lightening the mood every once in a while like you don't sit in the dread forever there are some funny bits there are some like kind of just off moments that also read as a bit humorous Mm -hmm. but i think like those moments help to allow you to decompress from some of the intensity that you do experience while watching this Uh, because it gets intense Mm -hmm. roll 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 intense roll quick Mm -hmm. too yeah so solid four for the homies stress levels (laughs) But today we are talking about the series Swarm from 2023. This series was created by Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors and is starring Dominique Fishback as Dre. Dre and her foster sister Marissa are longtime fans of the pop sensation Nyjah. Dre considers herself a member of the Beehive, an impassioned fandom who would do anything for their queen. But not everyone is a fan of Nyjah. And you know what they say, mess with the hive, you get stung. Insert post-mortem pumpkin pie, sisterhood slaughters, and one very confused cell phone clerk here. Our series concludes with Dre on the run as she hunts down Nyjah's haters. Will her blood tour be a success and lead her to her idol? Or will her luck run out before she makes it to the stage? Also, who's your favorite artist? Roll credits. Okay. First of all, Mm -hmm. before we even get into it, I do love the little disclaimer at the beginning of every episode where it's like this is not fictional any relations to any person living or dead is completely intentional and they're they are very much making it clear that this is a complete parallel to real life situations and real life people um Mm -hmm. which we knew we've been new but i love that they like lean so much into it in yeah in the show. and it's it's very nice too because i feel like it really does put you in the mood at the start of every episode mm-hmm. um but it is kind of important to also address the fact that although that is there these are not real events right. they are based off real things but even in like the ending credits they have a little tag that's like also this is not actually real right um just a heads up but they what's nice is although these aren't real events they did take the time to steep a lot of this stuff in reality Mm -hmm. so like even though these things didn't happen you know verbatim the way that it's shown in the show a lot of them are either based off of actual murders that happened or like actual stories It's just that they incorporated this Dre character as the center point of all of these narratives. Um, And I think even just doing that still is a great way to just kind of thrust you into the world of this show. Yeah, definitely. Because the thing about it is it's like Nyjah is so obviously Beyonce in the grand, like in the scheme of the show. Dre is more of just the representation of what can happen when a parasocial relationship gets out of control. She is more like the worst case scenario of 
these really so all of what's happening with her is like completely fictionalized and even some of the things that her you know her interactions with with people and things like that but as far as Nija is much more based in reality but is used as a tool to show that although what Dre is doing is like the fictionalized version, that is a potential of what could happen when these things get out of control. Right, of course. And, you know, legally, this is not based off of anyone. So, you know, take that with what you will. Um, but before we get into the notes, Erica, as someone who knows that you are a fan of You Know Who, um, would you consider yourself a member of any hives? Here's the thing. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean yeah I, yes but no because I don't know what I'm not ever so deep a fan of someone where I dissect and I'm like really into all of the behind the scenes and all of that stuff I am enough of a fan, like a fan of people where yeah I'll get excited if they're like touring and I can go to their concert yeah, I get excited when they drop a new album. And I'm like, I'm really into all of that. But I would like, it's one of those things where I guess in the sense of saying, if that's just what their fans are called, then yeah, I guess I that's am. Fair. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm never, I don't, I, I am never going to go that hard to bat for, uh, an artist i i so you're saying there's there's no death threats on your social media towards haters of your fan i'll be damned if you have me breaking my back and <laughs> cramping up my thumbs fighting <laughs> fighting and shambles in the comments for you i will uh -huh. i just i refuse and i also just think that there is no artist who is above opinions so it's like if other people don't like an artist I'm never going to be one of those people who is writing so hard for my artist, artist that like I refuse to allow others to critique them because mm -hmm. I don't like uh, there are some like songs and artists that I don't like and because they're just not for me. Now, there are some people who just say some crazy shit just to say it like <laughs> who say some mm -hmm. things and I'm like, uh, there are some Reggie's out there. <laughs> there are some Reggie's out there. And for those people, I'll always kind of give a side eye, but I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting. <laughs> I ain't fighting over a keyboard. I'm not fighting with emojis. I'm not. I can't. Yeah. I can't. That's true. That's true. All right. <laughs> just, had, just had to check in real quick. Just had to make sure. But all right. Seeing as I had you watch this series, Erica, why don't you go ahead and hit me with uh, what's in your notebook? Okay. My first note is the door open is wild. Having Troll. sex. Troll, door troll. wide open bent over fully naked that's and it's chloe bailey come on that's why because here's the thing is yes this is your home close the door why does the door even need to be complete and it's not even cracked that's the thing that's crazy it's fully 90 degree angle open like hitting <laughs> the hinges open and so dre I mean, this is our first introduction to Marissa, basically. And yeah. it's so interesting because I feel like they kind of play upon your 
sort of first impressions with people because my first time watching this, I kind of was not, um, it's not that I wasn't a fan of Marissa, but within this first 10 minutes, she was, I just kind of wasn't super, like, I didn't love the way that she kind of conducted herself and allowed, um, like, Khalid to talk to Dre. And I mm-hmm. just thought that how she was like, oh, you have to cover my shifts. And all of these things about Marissa kind of came off just so, like, she was just living her own life and kind of like walking all over Dre in a way, which is not yeah. at all <laughs> the what is going on. But it was just so interesting to me. Obviously, by the time this episode ends, I have I had such a different viewpoint of Marissa. And even by the time this series ends, I feel so differently about her than I do in the beginning. But yeah, even just from this moment of first meeting her, I was just like, the disrespect can't stand. You can't be <laughs> you can't be banging just bare backed on the with the door open like that yeah it's uh just common courtesy especially when your sister now granted foster sister but still your sister you know is in the house it's just it's come on common yeah. courtesy put a sock on that door like something and then ha- how they make eye contact and he's all yeah. smiling at her i'm sorry especially when you know your sister is dray i just feel like <laughs> some things that we need to keep under wraps and this is one of them yeah the introduction is pretty wild and i will say the first episode does a good job of like slowly peeling back the layers Mm -hmm. on some of these characters for you to like see more about them because it does give you a very like abrasive introduction to a lot of them and so it's like over the course of this next half an hour You'll get to learn little bits and pieces that may or may not change the way that you view them, mm-hmm. but they all still operate on their own wavelengths. They all still got their own specific thing that's going on. Um, but despite kind of the surrealist nature of things, they all still seem real. Um, and I think that's what kind of, at least for me, leans into some of the scarier notions of this fr- of this series is just like, the reflections of real life that you do see Mm -hmm. in these like somewhat fictional situations. Um, Cause I'm like, this is a weird abrasive dynamic, but I could see it happening. Like I'm, I'm sure like this sort of relationship exists out there somewhere between some people. And so it's like, this might be something that seems very familiar for some people. Um, And I think that as a jumping off point to again some of the brutality and violence that we get later on um it's just a scary place to start and now granted of course we're going to be going through these episode by episode and we're starting with episode one stung um and this one i think was directed by donald Mm -hmm. glover um a lot of this episode is just that it is kind of introductions into our main character of dre and then kind of like the inciting the series of unfortunate inciting <laughs> incidents yeah. that lead to where we get to. Um, because the whole plot of the first episode is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Like, that scenario is somewhat bonkers. Like, we start we start things off with Dre getting Nyjah tickets, which are insane right. at this she point. Has, like, because put it all on a the cheap seats are... <laughs> 
Yeah, all the cheap seats are sold out. So she's only got like multi thousand dollar tickets that are available. So she literally just puts all of it on credit cards. She has no money to her name, but she is so excited to be taking Marissa to this concert for her birthday mm-hmm. because all things aside, she loves Marissa. Like she has absolute diehard love for her sister. And it actually brings up one question that I didn't think about the first time I watched it. But going through a second time, I'm just kind of curious about your feelings. Do you think that all of Dre's love towards Marissa was like on a sister bond level? Mm -hmm. Or do you think at any point she was actually in love with Marissa? There was a minute there where they were like on the bed and I... And I thought, are they about to kiss right now? Because I, I, <laughs> I, you don't know that they're not biological sisters until not, not later. Not at this point. You find out later, yeah. So there is a minute there. They're laying up the, on the bed. Dre was kept scooting a little closer. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. But I, <laughs> I think by the end of it, what I feel like it is, because they do talk about it a, a couple of times. Dre does end up in a relationship with a woman. And they do kind of talk about how she had such a close relationship. Uh, such a close relationship that even um, Harrison, their dad, biologically uh, Marissa's dad, kind of thought it was strange how how close they were. And... Mm-hmm. What I think it is, is I think that maybe for me by the end of it, Marissa felt like the closest thing that Dre had in real life to Nyjah. Like, I feel like she idolized her and kind of like put her up on a pedestal in a way. And in real life, I think that Marissa was just the best relationship she's ever had, the closest, Mm -hmm. most intimate relationship she's ever had the most she's ever felt truly loved and accepted by a person. And so I felt, I feel like it was more almost this feeling of, I wish I could be like one with you more so Mm -hmm. than I wish I could be with you. I think her issues with anybody else coming into their life was just that she never wanted to lose Marissa. Um, And I do think that maybe for her, that's sort of a love. She just didn't, doesn't know how to, let it out because we'll see that later with when she finally meets Nyjah things come out in very intense ways with her and so I think she just always teetered on that line because for her I think there were no boundaries of where she wanted her to end and Marissa to begin and I feel like Mm -hmm. Marissa was the only person in her like actual tangible life that she idolized and worshipped as much as Nyjah who felt more of like a a thing and felt more yeah. of like a super being than an actual mm-hmm. person that she could ever like, touch obtain- yeah. yeah and it's and we do get later on to um these ideas of like when she was younger she was very lonely and mm-hmm. yeah so I I could see that where it's just like she clung to Marissa in a way where it's like you are the good thing currently in my life and like it's clear that dre has a hard time navigating her emotions where it's like she just feels things very intensely and doesn't necessarily know how to remedy that um 
And I think due to that causes her to make some very, very hot headed decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I there's it's weird because I think there is a level of just like she loves to that extreme, right? Yeah. Where it's like she's willing, she's literally willing to kill for it. Um is just kind of a insane and very intense place to be. But I mean, this episode has a lot going on in it but the gist of everything that happens is again she gets these tickets for marissa it's supposed to be a great birthday surprise turns out that marissa has other plans she's got this other job opportunity that's lined up um khalid is planning on taking her um on a trip so she couldn't go to the concert anyway and on top of all this like to kind of facilitate all of these changes in her life marissa asked for this favor from Dre to just watch uh, or to sub in for her at work, Dre meanders off with Khalid and ends up getting robbed. And so it's like she has a falling out with Marissa, which unfortunately leads to Marissa going down a spiral because she finds out that one Khalid has been cheating on her. And simultaneously, Nyjah drops a brand new album which of course gets everyone in an uproar. Emotions are high, mm-hmm. feelings are high. They have a really bad falling out before they get separated. And ultimately Marissa ends up um, dying. And Dre has no idea because she's kind of on a Nyjah fueled bender yeah. to try and like get her mind off of things. She, it's it's interesting because yeah, Nyjah drops this surprise album that also goes with it's like a visual album so she releases these music videos that go along with the album and it's all about how her husband cachet cheated on her Mm -hmm. and so as a result you can imagine what the content of that album was on one hand what it does for dre is it kind of she gets in her little freakum dress she goes out she's feeling herself she like goes out and has a night kind of on a high because she's so stoked about this album. And it's like what Nyjah does for Dre is empowers her. And so this is what's happening to her right now. And it kind of does the opposite for Marissa. It like Marissa thought she was going to go and like finally start this life of her own because she's been living kind of for Dre. She was living kind of for, for her parents and I think in Khalid, she sees a, a future. And Dre tells her, like, hey, Khalid's a cheater. And I don't think he's good for you. And Marissa finds out that that's true. And it kind of sends her down this spiral. She comes home. Dre's not there. And Dre's not answering the phone. And then you think, but but you see through her text that she's also listening to Nyjah's new album. And you mm-hmm. have to wonder if, like, all of those emotions just wrapped up all in her just caused her caused her to it was too much for her. And maybe right. and, and, and the fact of the matter is we'll find out later on that this was not this was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. But there was a lot going on in their lives. And it just seems like everything culminated to just one point at this moment in time. And Mm -hmm. it was probably just this was too much for Marissa to take. Um, But yeah, it's like these two different, very different emotions kind of come off of this surprise drop. And also, (laughs) this is one of my last notes for this episode, but Dre like has a one night stand with this guy and like finally loses her virginity. (laughs) And 
my note was, why would you squish your penis against my strawberry bowl? Because he brings her <laughs> strawberries in a glass bowl. And the camera zooms down and you can just see his penis squished against the bowl through the glass. <laughs> Pissed me off. Because <laughs> don't do that. Like, I... Uh, don't do that. It didn't piss you off because it was Rory Culkin. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I saw Rory Culkin. I was like, oh, because I thought it was him from that silhouette. I said, I know that face. And then mm -hmm. it was him. And just don't put your penis on my strawberry bowl. <laughs> like, that's all I ask. Just don't do that. Doesn't matter who you are. Just I don't care if you're Rory. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a very unfortunate end for a character that we didn't get to spend that much time with in the yeah. in, in just now. And for things to end for them on that note, because you're right, they have a really big fight before yeah. this happens. And that's the last that they speak. Because like I said, she calls Dre, and because Dre is having this kind of wild night. Dre doesn't answer. Yeah. And it's like, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but Dre, of course, holds on to this for a while. And yeah. it's just like that idea of like, if I had just picked up the phone, that sort of mentality, it's of course not helping her in her situation, but all this happens. And then, so we start to watch Dre spiral, right? Where of course, one, she has no money. Yeah. Like we've already established that. So it's like, what's she going to do in that regard? Um, but also, it's like she lost her rock. And like, at this point, what is there for her to kind of live for, in a sense? And I think it's in that place that we get the dangerous super fan um, truly, truly mm -hmm. coming out and truly coming to fruition. Um, because Dre seeks revenge. Dre decides that the next course of action is to get revenge for her sister's death. And goes after Khalid. And I love the way that this gets set up. Like, it's fantastic to me mm -hmm. where Khalid has been set up to be a total asshole all episode. Like, he's just, like, he's not that guy. And, like, the things that Dre's saying about him, all of it tracks. It's like, this guy's no good. Mm -hmm. And we know that going into this confrontation and it doesn't necessarily dismiss any of the things that he's done or said, of course, but we do see a different side of Khalid when Dre gets there. We get to see him remorseful and sad and without all of the, the gusto that he had before when he's like feeling himself and mm -hmm. shit. Like there is a real person behind this persona that we've seen for this entire episode. And like we see that he's harboring not only a lot of guilt for potentially causing marissa to die but then also not having the courage to attend her funeral mm -hmm. and like just dealing with all the ins and outs of like there's a lot of similarities between us right now dre like i also left on an argument with her and like i'm never gonna speak to her again and like i feel like you can kind of see that he feels that between them and we've watched an entire episode of this man trying to get into dre's pants the entire time. And I actually kind of love the idea that in their most vulnerable moment together, he offers her tea instead, where I'm like, this to me shows at least like a variation in this character, right? Where it's like, perhaps this event has changed him. Yeah. Can but I? We'll never fucking find out. Can I? We'll never find out. <laughs> I will say, I think he was still trying to fuck her in this moment. Um, Not right. And maybe not right away. 
but there is mm-hmm. a moment where they're talking and he starts to lean in close and his eyes flick down to her lips and i said bitch i know you're not about to kiss her right now <laughs> and then he offers her tea i think yeah. to get a little bit of a distance I agree. There is this side of him where you think, okay, he does probably feel very bad about what has happened as a result of his actions. But ah, a dog gonna bark. And he was barking for me. He was barking. Hey, it's, and I'm with you there. (laughs) Like, he ain't shit. Yeah. All this is, is to say, like, he still ain't shit. Oh, yeah. But it does, it does add that layer to his death moments later that I think increases the kind of shock value of it yeah it's so for sure it's still sad i think yeah him (laughs) the it's because this is her first kill uh she goes for the blunt force trauma uh which is not a a quick and easy death and i think particularly with this situation it is not and it is really sad to hear him kind of beg her to stop because he knows her he is familiar with her And I think this is a really big shock for him. Um, But she kills him. Immediately, she needs pie. I get it. Immediately. I get it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Get you some pie. That was probably a lot. Maybe don't stick it in your mouth with your bloody fingers. (laughs) But get you a fork and get some pie. I, 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 I don't think there's... Okay, never mind. I was about to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There is. <laughs> there's a there's lot a wrong. Things. I'm just saying, if a girl wants some pie, she should eat some pie. Um, That's actually, yeah. a, I love that theme throughout. It's like Dre like always needs to have a post-killing snack. Killing snack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a coping mechanism for her yeah. in a way. Where it's like, it, le- it helps her come down from the high of, of murder. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this the sequence is just so intense and it's like very abrupt, um, which will be echoed through more episodes where it's like once Dre decides to kill somebody, it can happen at any moment. Like mm-hmm. once the decision is made, give this girl anything that can be used as a weapon, she probably will use it and try and murder you. So yeah. um, it's always like living in that fear that I think carries over to these other episodes. Yeah. Um, but a couple quick notes from the first episode before we move on to the next one um question do all of the bathrooms in houston have cameras in them question mark because the ladies bathroom had a monitor in there did it which i didn't yeah i didn't notice the first time i watched but the scene where they're in the bathroom there is a monitor just in the bathroom oh i didn't know that's like that. a security camera mm-hmm. which i'm that's just me asking i've never been to houston so it's like is that a thing do they have those over there oh i don't know um And then secondly, this is just the moment that I thought was absolutely insane is after Dre gets robbed, the lady who tells her Mm -hmm. that she got robbed is like, hey, I just came here to return this shirt. Yeah, that shit makes me cackle every single time. Girl, what am I going to? I hope you used a card. (laughs) You use cash. You're not getting anything back. What do you mean? This shit is so crazy to me. She's there trying to stop the robbery. And then yeah. the moment she comes back, he's like, hey, you work you here? Because I need to return yeah. this shirt. I knew as soon as Dre left, I knew some. Something I knew some, some some shit was going to go down. Very unfortunate. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Um, but which leads us into episode two, which is Honey, which was directed by Adama Ibo. 
Um, and now we're in a whole different place. We're in Tennessee now because mm-hmm. Dre is on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dre is kind of switching things up. Uh, she had to leave town because of the whole murder thing. And she is now working as a stripper at a very specific club because, or maybe an an exotic dancer. We don't ever see her actually strip or anything. She just dances. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is also something that some of the dancers talk to her about is that her dancing is not. It, it ain't what the customers are coming here for. She dances right. exclusively to Nyjah songs, but not just that, but the slower, kind of sadder Nyjah songs. Her <laughs> dancing is very... Um, it's a choice. I, well, at least his first dances. And I thought it was kind of... Yeah. I thought it was kind of a fun touch that she so clearly has kind of like the earlier shift, quote unquote, because when she's dancing, there's like nobody's in the club. It's just this one right. guy. But we do come to realize that she's purposefully there because she's looking for a guy who made a comment on Twitter about her sister and the fact that she deserved what happened to her because he thinks that she did what she did and took her own life because of the album. And so he's mm-hmm. talking mad shit, not only about her, but about Nyjah, which kind of becomes Dre's MO throughout this series is that when people are talking disrespectfully about Nyjah, she goes after them, which I think is more, which I think does have a lot to do with Nyjah, but also has to do with, like I said, I think she kind of holds Nyjah and Marissa. They're kind of connected for her. I feel like she almost yeah. treats it about like, like, if you're disrespecting Nyjah, you're disrespecting my sister, you're disrespecting me because that was the one thing that they both loved is mm-hmm. Nyjah. That was the thing that they had in common. Yeah. It's like, don't fuck with the things that Dre loves. Yeah. Because, like, that's when she gets very upset. Um, but, again, really great framework for this in terms of, like, how that idea gets introduced because a lot of things just make sense. Her being in a different town with a different name mm-hmm. under this profession after what she's done all of that just tracks as just like the next step in like things that she would have to do. Yeah. And then halfway through the episode, you get that reveal drop of like, no, she's actually here on a straight up mission yeah. to murder someone. Um, I just love the way that they weave that shit in because I think there are several episodes where a lot of it just kind of starts with Dre in a situation. Yeah. And it's us kind of piecing together. Okay. Where are we? What is Dre doing? And why is she there? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of our first instance of that sort of framework, right? Um, and I think, like, overall, it's it's good. Like, these episodes are so short, but I feel like they have so many things happen in them. Because, yeah. one, we have the whole Haley subplot, which is, like, the first half of the episode, mm-hmm. where she meets this other dancer, Haley, who's, like, the one person yes. who's nice to her. Played by Paris Jackson. But- Played by Paris Jackson. Again, the cameos mm-hmm. in this show. Ridiculous. Um, but they, I want to say strike up a bond, but kind of sort of not really. It's more just Haley latches herself on to Dre. Right. Um, to kind of get away from her abusive boyfriend. I was going to say, yeah, it's very, their relationship is interesting because Dre, Haley 
yeah, really attaches herself to Dre in a way because she's trying to escape an abusive situation. And I think that she kind of sees a little bit of herself in Dre in the sense of they both are maybe, you know, have maybe a try are trying to or have escaped situations where they have felt unloved or underappreciated or they're kind of not fully welcome within like their circle or what have you. I think she kind of sees like a a twin flame, if you will, in Dre. Mm -hmm. But Dre doesn't want a companion. She doesn't want a person to weigh her down. Like she has a mission and she prefers to do it alone. It's like if yeah. she doesn't have Marissa, then she doesn't want to have anybody. And so to her, Haley is more of an annoyance than anything else. Like she's willing to help her as much as it benefits Dre because the main time when they kind of get together, it's because Haley's like, I'll pay if you want to go get food. And Dre doesn't yeah. have any money at this point so in Dre's time. So like, yeah, <laughs> Sure. Um, and Dre's not shy about that either. Like Dre will very much use people yeah. to get what she wants, especially if Nyjah's involved. Oh, definitely. And so, yeah, their bond is very much a, a one-sided relationship in the sense of yeah i think Haley really really wants someone that she can kind of rely on and be friends with and escape with and that's not what dre is looking for because even later on it's Haley's down to, <laughs> to go out to go to mexico with dre <laughs> and start a new life and take all this money and do all of these things and that is not the mission that Dre is on. And so Haley just becomes another loose end that she just has to take care of. Which yeah. unfortunate. Cause I think if Haley hadn't have shown up, she could have just continued to live on her life and been fine. But Oh yeah. Absolutely. Timing, timing was not on her <laughs> side. Timing's not on most people's side in this in this besides dre <laughs> dre yeah. usually has some good timing but everybody else is usually wrong place wrong time mm -hmm. and what's also kind of fun about this is so dre's an interesting at this point almost serial killer because she's very clumsy and clunky in the way that she's doing things because she doesn't know what she's doing mm. she's just like i'm gonna kill this person but you can see her confidence go up after each person she kills. So it's like she starts getting a little bit cocky about killing people because she realizes she can get away with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big catalyst as to one of the reasons why she goes after the boyfriend in the first place. Even has like more strategy to it. She's using fucking gas grenades and shit. Like there's she's got some methods to her madness now. Um, but even the decision to get rid of Haley too, it's just like very split second decision yeah. um, that you could tell did not affect Dre in the slightest. Despite the fact that we spent the first half of this episode with these two characters spending time together, Dre did not give a single fuck about that time spent. She's like, okay, I got some food and some money yeah. now. Cool. Where's Reggie? Yeah. Thanks, girl. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, which I get, I love that dynamic because now it's just like every time 
you watch Dre meet a new person, it's just like, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah. Like there's a clock above their head near counting mm-hmm. down because there's also some people that she meets where nothing happens. Or at least they don't get killed. But then there are also people that she meets where they do. And and even the people that she doesn't kill, usually something bad happens to them. It's just it's you never know who it's gonna be and why. Um, mm-hmm. because she she does, like I said, have a very specific person that she is going after, but she also does have a temper. And I think as time goes on, she gets a little bit more kind of loose with the things that kind of set her off and the, the things that she's willing to do, whether it's in the middle of the day, at the middle of a party, it kind of, you don't have that same sense of, oh, okay, well, it has to be at night in a secluded house. That kind of starts to go away (laughs) after a while, which also gets a little bit stressful. But yeah, I love the fact that to me, it seems like she only killed the boyfriend just because she didn't want to live with Haley. And she was like, I got to get this bitch her house back. And that was the <laughs> only reason that she killed the boyfriend was so Haley could get out of her space. And then, yeah, and then she just ended up killing, which, you know, it's nice that she wasn't just going to kill Haley straight off the bat until that kind of got yeah. screwed up. But <laughs> More of a last minute decision. Yeah, um, but that <laughs> the second half of our episode... <laughs> Becomes a little like night out with the girls, uh, which that's another thing. I do love when we get to see, first of all, on a technical standpoint, this is shot on film and it looks really great. Like, I don't know if it's 16 millimeter or. Yeah, okay. it's 16. It looks, it looks great. It, it looks beautiful. And also the musical choices within this show are so good. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about that a little bit more in episode three. But um, yeah, just because even this next sequence where we see Dre dancing again, and she's doing really, really well. And I just think it's so interesting to see her kind of persona and her confidence I feel like kind of melds and molds around what's going on with Nija and like listening to her music. It It's like so interesting to see her personality change even throughout the course of an episode because it's like we see her earlier mm-hmm. and she is just kind of doing as much as she needs to do to stay employed at this place at least and then the next time we see her she's making money like she is making money and she is figuring something out and that's actually how she gets caught up with this like driver deal is because she wants to make some more money um, yeah and also because she killed Haley, who was supposed to be the other driver so right but she i'm like but also girl if you knew you had Haley in the trunk you didn't have to agree to be the driver i just or use someone else's car like you're just the dd (laughs) yeah i might say i don't know i just think if you know you got a body in the back maybe say you guys i gotta run home really quick since i only live five minutes away (laughs) i gotta run home really quick i'll be back to pick you up but that's the thing is it's it's like that's where you see i think that dre really she doesn't always think ahead, but she does think no. in the moment. 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, she's just <laughs> chaos personified, and like, so that's scary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she gets caught up in this whole situation. They're going to go entertain some college boys for an evening, which that whole sequence is kind of just like a funny, yeah, um, just like surrealist look at like I'm sure something that happens pretty frequently. Um, but through another series of events um they end up blow like the they like blow a tire or something happens with dre's car and they need some car support and wouldn't you know it uh reggie owns a tow truck Mm -hmm. and reggie also just happened to be getting off of his shift right where those girls were at that time of the night and reggie is also apparently off the internet a pretty nice guy Mm -hmm. who is willing to off the clock work on some nice ladies uh vehicle for them um a lot of circumstantial things that all lead up to an unfortunate situation for reggie but again unhinged unhinged energy aside i love watching dre confront people because she has zero chill about it Mm -hmm. i love that immediately once they're in the living room she's like why'd you say all that shit on twitter (laughs) <laughs> He's like, who's your favorite artist? Uh, who's your favorite artist? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that new Cody Blaze album's all right, right? I'm feeling that Toronto sound for sure. Cody Blaze has a total of one Grammy. Naja has 26. Oh. <laughs> you think Cody Blaze is better than Naja? I don't know. Then why did you say she could die? What? You said she could die tomorrow and you wouldn't miss one song. Laughing emoji. Oh my God. I mean, I don't remember saying all that. But you did. Okay. Um, I'm gonna get that tequila and orange drink. when we start that like who's your favorite artist it's like mm-hmm. girl what <laughs> like we was all having good coverage what are <laughs> yeah, you talking I know, about i love i love when they're like you're really you're really bringing the vibe down like don't <laughs> you're do this killing these vibes. <laughs> um but she tries to do a similar thing that she did with the boyfriend in terms of like gas grenade <laughs> like they're actually here's the thing is like they're good they she at this point she does have an option mm-hmm. she could let this go Take her car with these ladies, take the money they made that night, and just skedaddle. Be on with her life. But she's like, no. (laughs) I came here for a reason. I'm going to kill Reggie. So she goes back into the house while all the girls are waiting in the car, tries to do the whole gas grenade thing again. Doesn't work this time because Reggie ain't in the shower yet. He just turned the shower on, so she didn't even check. heating it up. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, that's the fun thing is, like, Dre thinks that she knows what she's doing. Mm until she doesn't know what she's doing anymore and is just making it up on the fly um so the gas grenade plan does not work reggie's like what are you doing she immediately swings on him but reggie is like three times her size and very easily outpowers her right and puts her in a situation where this all well could and should have been the end of dre um and this is another juxtaposition that i enjoy because we keep seeing dre get away with this stuff which despite the fact that this is 
surrealist just feels kind of strange that she just keeps like she just can't keep getting away with it mm -hmm. right and so in this reggie situation it's like no she's not gonna get away with it until the ladies of course are like what happened to dre she's taking so long come back they see a much different situation than what's actually happening end up shooting and killing reggie mm -hmm. um it does suck that dre just leaves them to take the fall but also right. makes all of the sense that she would do that um but i i again i love the way that this episode plays out i think it's just like the series of events are so insane but pieced together the way that they're pieced together they kind of make sense like mm -hmm. the order of events that things happen yeah where, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's like a lot happens in these episodes, but at the same time, when you really boil it down to it, not that much happens in these episodes. A lot of mm -hmm. the really it's like one or two main events that are stretched out because we get yeah. a lot of character work. And so. Yeah, when you look at it, it's like, OK, that does make sense as far as the way that things would unfold. Um, and I think the next episode is like a perfect example of that where. There's not a lot going on in this episode, but at mm -hmm. the same time, we do make some big strides forward. <laughs> but that leads us into episode three, which is called Taste. And this is the same director. So this is directed again by Adama Ebo. And this one starts right off the bat with Dre killing um, someone who is not a Nyjah fan. First of all, what a house. <laughs> I think this man is meant to be like a YouTuber. Uh -huh. His house is dope, first of all. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great house. And she's in California at this point, right? I think. And then Seattle. She oh, Seattle, and then she drives to LA. Yeah, I think we start in Seattle and then ultimately end up in LA okay. later on. Um, but I don't remember if the influencer's house was Seattle or L.A. I'm yeah. not entirely sure. Oh, oh, and also something that I did think that was interesting is. She a lot of what she does throughout this show, she continues to interact with Marissa because she right. finds Marissa's phone and she texts herself from Marissa's phone. And then she continues to kind of text her like she gets gets it so that the Twitter anytime that like news about Nija comes through the Twitter, it gets sent to the phone almost like a text. And it almost feels like Marissa is still in connection with her. And then she yeah. will text things to Marissa as if she can respond. And I just think that that's another thing that just to me leads into the idea of she really does. It does. It does really feel like some, a lot of what she's doing. She truly believes that she's like, doing it for marissa which is an element that we'll find out happened before in their childhood is this like protectiveness mm -hmm. of for marissa this willingness to kill for someone that you are like that you love and are obsessed with is not something that dre is unfamiliar with <laughs> it is something yeah. that she has done before um mm -hmm. but she kills this guy <laughs> she kills this guy um who said he didn't like he didn't like Nyjah and I just yeah. love she asks who his favorite artist is and he goes Lil Gibble <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> and then she goes on her monologue about Lil Gibble ain't got 
Yeah. No Grammys where Nasha yes. has 26. 20 some Grammys. Yeah. Don't come after us, Dre. I swear. Something um, like, yeah, 26 or something, which is what she leans on a lot is the amount of Grammys, which I will say I do think is also very realistic. I think a lot of the like arguments and reasons that she uses against people of why they should like Nija is pretty realistic about some things that you'll see people in fandom say is like a mm-hmm. comparison of the accolades that they've gotten in their work and as if that should be like well they don't have a grammy it's like okay yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's and like i just love that all these characters are so caught off guard by the question because one <laughs> yes. they're just like who are you and then two it's like what the fuck are you talking mm-hmm. about um this guy does give my favorite line of the entire friend or this entire series <laughs> because she's like yada 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 and i got the receipts and then she shows the phone and shows a tweet yeah like, nigga Twitter? yeah <laughs> who's your favorite artist what who is your favorite artist <laughs> Huh? Lil Gibble. How many Grammys does Lil Gibble have? I don't know. I don't know. None. Naja has 26. Do you think Lil Gibble is better than Naja? Me? I don't know. He is not. He is a pedophile who uses the same melody for every song. He couldn't write a hit song without a feature to save his life. He is nothing. But Naja, she's everything. You think you're too good for Naja? No, I, I don't. Please, I don't. Then why did you say she couldn't keep a man happy? I, I, I didn't say that. I, I, I didn't. But you did. And I got the receipts. <laughs> Nigga. Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's One of so, my favorite fucking it's lines. so true. It's. It's it's so true because it's like it, that is completely what she is basing everything off of is is the fact that some people on Twitter said I don't like Nyjah I don't like her music and that don't sit right with with Dre it doesn't really doesn't sit right with her spirit but she goes from this also she steals basically all of his snacks. Um, mm-hmm. I was excited when she grabbed the donuts because that's what I would have grabbed. But there was also a box of pop tarts on the shelf right above her that she didn't grab, and I thought that was missed crazy. opportunity. It might mm-hmm. have been too tall for her the shelf, but it's pop tarts. Like, <laughs> come on, be serious. Yeah, grab the box yeah. of pop tarts. But this is when we get to see that she is getting a little bit better about cleaning up after herself and hiding her mm-hmm. tracks. It is hard. One thing we will never. N- so there later on we find out that there are eight bodies in connection that they know of that they found because mm-hmm. Haley and her boyfriend they are missing people they don't even know that they died <laughs> um but there are eight bodies in connection to dre and who she has killed so there is time and people that we are not seeing her kill because we always see her with a new car and i Mm -hmm. imagine that every new car comes with a new body 
a new body. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely. Um, but yeah, her her bloody journey leads her to LA where she is once again kind of like on the hunt for more nausea haters, but then gets a a side quest in a mm-hmm. way. Um, because she finds out that Nyjah is also going to be um, performing with another artist, and she spots somebody who seems to work with said artist and does everything in her power to become this guy's best friend. Yeah, well, because, so Nyjah's husband is performing that night, and then he's having, like, an album party. And so ah, she knows, yes. So you. she knows that Nigel will be there. She knows for a fact that Nigel will be um, around at least because yeah. everybody's talking about it. And this is another instance too where I feel like her, she is really heightening what she is willing to do because she almost kills a woman in an elevator of a very occupied building in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. And she would have done it. And she was gonna do it too. Absolutely would have done it. And that's crazy. (laughs) Cause what? (laughs) She's gonna kill her with a kettlebell in the middle of an elevator. But yeah, she gets distracted by once again a person that she ends up using. And that's the thing is Dre is a very specific type of person. It's always it's so interesting to me because so you have this character of Erica. I'm pretty sure who's friends with Marissa, who. Like, was the owner of that stand. Oh, yeah. Who knows them both very well. And it's like her and this other guy friend that Marissa has. And they both treat Dre as if she's very strange, very weird. They don't really like having her around. They don't really like being around her. But I, and that is when she's like, Dre is most herself, I think, when she's with Marissa. And it's so interesting, like I said, to watch her kind of, She's always still herself, but she does know how to turn charm on because yeah. she's she can manipulate. Yeah, it's in there. She's got it in her. Oh, yeah. She charms this guy. I mean, I also think he was just per- perhaps quite horny. Kind of a, a yeah. In and the lonely. Beginning. <laughs> like he seemed yeah. like he was looking for any sort of affection yeah. or attention. But she it's interesting because she she uses uh, the facade of escaping an abusive relationship to kind of get him to be sympathetic with her, which mm-hmm. is something that she experienced with Haley not that long ago. Um, but they have a little like Doritos foreplay. They have this like... <laughs> Shit's so funny. <laughs> they have <laughs> they have a junk food sexcapade, uh-huh. basically. Which, I don't know. This is me <laughs> just making assumptions here, but manipulation aside, I feel like Dre was probably down for that. I with Dre's love of food, yeah, this kind of like food sex session was something that I'm sure she wasn't like too too bad at. She's like, you know what? I get some donuts with this. Right. That's not bad. And also, I did write a note. Um, me with donuts, watching her <laughs> sneak that 2 a.m. <laughs> donut that was just absolutely Dude, needed. I was like, yep, yeah, that's me on the daily. Those donuts are so good. They're so good. They're so Especially the powdered ones. Mm. The powdered ones slap. The chocolate-covered ones are, are good as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the powder, powdered ones are elite, so I get it. Um, yeah. But through this, <laughs> <laughs> through this, which makes him quite sick because... 
he has been on a very strict diet for some time. Yeah. She kind of uses her her charms and her wiles to convince him to go to the after party, locks him in the freezer with a <laughs> big old cake, which I'm I am glad they showed us the cake because I was a little bit worried that he was just gonna be trapped in the freezer, but they are gonna have to let him out. It was also like a joke of, oh God, because there's a big uh, yeah. old cake in front of his face. Um mm -hmm. but but it's nice that he didn't die, actually, because like right. I would have felt real bad if he got killed. Yeah, he, he was. He's a nice, he's kind of a strange guy, but he didn't do anything that no. warranted him dying. He was kind of a strange guy, but he was also a nice guy because yes, he was a little bit kind of uh, he. Uh, but at the same time, Dre was also trying to kind of get him on her side no matter what so um yeah i would have felt bad honestly if he had died as well because i don't i mean nobody does none of them deserve it but there are certain people within the show where i'm like oh that really sucks like mm -hmm. you shouldn't that shouldn't happen to you <laughs> i will say that shouldn't happen to you <laughs> and he was one of them but he will be okay and so dre finally sees nija and i love the choice of this woman's work <laughs> as the song for when she finally sees Nija, I just feel like it was <laughs> so perfect. Like the vocal stylings of Maxwell to, mm -hmm. uh, to be in the background, which lovely, just, just so lovely. It worked really well. I just feel like it was so <laughs> the, the, the tone of the song is so different from what actually is happening in reality and i feel like that works really well for dre because a lot of what we will see with her especially when it comes to nija is her version of reality is much different than what is actually happening and that is exactly what happens to her in this moment because somewhere along the way she thinks that she's biting into a treat and she bites nija in the face <laughs> yeah um this one of fun enough it pulled from an apparently true story um but yeah, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly um but it's just like <laughs> it's so par the course for this series where it's like we're on episode three we're on episode three she finally meets her idol and what does she do she fucking bites her, bites her. like of all the things that could happen, I mean, it could have been worse. She probably could have killed her, and right. that would have been even more worse. But it's just like, after all of that, you finally get here, and then you bite her, and then we just end the episode on that. Love it. I, I truly love it. If y'all can't tell, I'm definitely a fan of this <laughs> show. Just because I, I love this just, like, surrealist, kind of bleak, but also, like, I don't know. There's, like... It's weird that you're ever rooting for Dre because, like, you're not. Mm -hmm. But I also find myself like not wishing the worst for Dre. I'm like, you feel I bad. want Dre to change. I'm like, Dre, be better. Mm -hmm. Stop doing what you're doing. Like, find a better version of your life. But Dre's doing awful, terrible things, and I still don't dismiss her as yeah. the protagonist. I and I think it's like moments that, like this one, that are like very humbling for that character. Mm -hmm. 
that kind of draw me back in. Yeah, I feel like Dre to me is the epitome of when people are like, I feel sorry for her or like I feel Mm -hmm. bad for her because and I think a lot of that has to do with just Dominique's performance is just so beautiful and so nuanced and I think that a lot of what she brings to Dre's more what you can can consider vulnerable moments make you feel just so like you want to pity her in a way or you almost want her to have that moment of happiness it's like part of you almost is rooting for her to get to nija because you know Mm -hmm. it would make her so happy but at the same time you know that she is doing horrible terrible things for really no reason and so it's just i think that what you know what they touch on a little bit later is it makes you feel bad about how different her life maybe could have been and how it may it could have been better but how she's just kind of living for this moment now and it's killing her and killing everybody around her and it's very unfortunate and like hard to watch but at the same time you're kind of captivated it's like a car crash where you can't look away even though you know it's gonna (laughs) end horribly terribly and people are gonna get hurt there's still something about it that pulls your focus and you're like I have to see this through. Like I have to see what happens with you because I am so, there's so much going on beneath the layers, which honestly kind of, we dig quite deeper in this, in the next episode and kind of Mm -hmm. get to learn a little bit more about what's going on behind her, her Nyjah obsession a little bit at least. A, li- a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. So, episode four, Running Scared. Uh, this one, directed by Ibra Ake, um, could also be dubbed the Billie Eilish episode because Billie, yeah. because uh, she's not really the bad guy. She's the bad mark. guy. <laughs> Duh. Um, it, was, it was really cool, honestly, to see her in this. Apparently, this was like her acting debut, too, which could have fooled me because yeah. I thought that she did a fantastic job. Um, didn't honestly, the first time I was watching it, it took me like a scene or two to realize it was her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, is that Billy? Yeah. Um, but framework for this episode is now we, I believe are back in Tennessee. Um, because Nija is performing at like Bonnaroo or something like that. Is it Tennessee or, or is it Texas? I, she well, bebops all over she, the she bebops place around i was i was taking notes throughout this one and for episode four i do have tennessee it probably um, was i probably just saw the t and thought it was texas but because <laughs> <laughs> i think in episode five she's we go texas. back to texas yeah, yes. yeah um but so she's going to tennessee for some festival and along the way she gets stopped by an officer because she's obviously driving a stolen car <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that um, car looks like it's been in <laughs> through the muck in the mud. It looks crazy. Like any cop within a three mile radius would have pulled <laughs> that car over. Um, not only that, homegirl ain't even cleaned the blood off the seats yet. Thankfully, it had tinted windows, so like she somehow got away with that. Right. Um, but cop very rightfully so is harassing her. But um, she gets some aid from this one woman at a gas station who scares the officer off, but then also invites uh, Dre to come stay with her and her friends. who are also going to be going to the festival. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so Cricket goes ahead and takes Dre over to their little commune compound area place where they meet Eva, Eva, Ava, Eva, where they meet Ava, who's Billy Eilish's character, who's kind of like the then mother of this whole <laughs> situation. Yeah, their leader. Yeah. Um, and so she's there under the impression that she's just staying with them until the festival happens, and then she's gonna go see Nyjah. They kind of have different plans mm. because they're more of like a woman empowerment wellness um facility yeah. group. They're a cult. Little culty, they're like a cult. leaning into culty. <laughs> they are a cult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but their whole idea is like they kind of want to help Dre and like see if they can potentially be of service to her. Mm. And although the episode like feels kind of like a bottle episode in a way um it does like you said explore some interesting uh bits about dre um one of my favorite sequences being the oh what do they call it when she's sitting with the uh evolutions to understanding the eu yeah their their evolution session i thought i both times seeing that sequence have loved it um, exponentially. One, because the acting in it is absolutely phenomenal, mm -hmm. but I also just love the structure of it. This whole idea of like, we're peeling away these layers. Um, Dre is now, who is she now? She is- um, She's Kayla. She's Kayla now. Um, so we're peeling away these layers of Kayla um, and it's shot in such a way where like, things are very scattered. Mm -hmm. Things are, 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 are very all over the place. So it's hard to kind of tell exactly what's happening but the important bits that we get is that dre breaks the facade and actually reveals a lot of information to ava a lot of which we don't even get to see on screen like it's implied that mm -hmm. dre has kind of spilled all of the beans about the situation but we realize that this group now has a lot of information on dre they also have taken her phone away, which is very big no-no. You don't do that to Dre. Um, and also are potentially causing her to miss the Nyjah Festival, um, which is the worst thing they could do. Taking the phone is one thing. Mm -hmm. Getting in the way of Dre and Nyjah was the last thing that they ever did. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a, like, I, I really like this episode because it's like, it's still in line with everything else we've seen up until this point, but it takes like a weird shift. Like I feel like there is a bit of a tonal shift and I think maybe that's coming from getting deeper or I guess more to the root of like who Dre is. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps that's what changes things, but um, the carnage at the end is also. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is because Billy gets killed. She gets ran over by a car. Um, mm hmm hit by a car then run over right. by a car sorry excuse me uh yes she gets thrown up onto the windshield first and then dre runs her over and she I... kills a couple other uh members as well because yeah at the end of the day I, this is a cult and they were trying to recruit mm -hmm. dre they said we need a little bit of diversity in the group <laughs> we would love to branch out with you and the thing about it is I do think that Dre is the exact type of person that would get pulled in by something like this. But mm -hmm. what they don't know is she is already in, believes in something so much bigger than them. 
Like nothing will ever pull her from Nyjah. And so yeah. that's the thing is she just so strongly believes and is part of such a specific already kind of group that supersedes anything that they could have ever promised her or given her. It's like she will never disconnect from that. That is the only mm -hmm. thing that keeps Ray from joining them because there is a moment in time where, yeah, I think that Ava is kind of making a breakthrough with her and mm -hmm. it literally is the vocal stylings of Nyjah that breaks Dre out of them. She yeah. hears like, ah, like off in the distance and immediately snaps out of <laughs> the, the, fuck was yeah, going on. <laughs> the the thing that they're doing, the little like kumbaya circle that Cere they're doing. <laughs> Ceremony. Shit, yeah. yeah, it's. And so I think honestly, it's that's the only thing that right, like keeps her grounded, I guess, to the outside world. It's interesting because, yeah, so much of this episode is all takes place at Decoin the little community mm -hmm. that they have. And we see a lot of that and like Dre kind of being pulled into that. But through that, yeah, we learn a lot about Dre and we learn, I think the biggest thing from her sessions that she has that we do get to see is that Dre has been violent in the past we do find that out about her childhood is there was an incident with her grandmother when she was a younger kid where she hurt somebody. And we can assume that that is when she got put into foster care. It's like following whatever happened in this situation. Yeah. We get the information that, you know, she's, she's, she's got some skeletons in her closet for sure. Mm -hmm. And the reveal of that, I think, at this point is good because it's like we do kind of need to figure out, like, Dre, like, what's going yeah. on? Like, why? Why are you like this? Um, but yeah, it's just so funny where despite the fact that they're totally a cult, they're, they're doing good things for Dre um, right. in, in, in certain sectors where it's like Dre has been using murder and food to cope with like her situation as opposed to like therapy, which I think that these sit down sessions are the closest thing that she's probably ever had to therapy. Mm -hmm. And of course, with the life that she's led, she's dealt with a lot of things in her life that have obviously been repressed for a while, have obviously been bothering her and obviously are fueling her in her current state but she's not addressing any of these right. things. So it's like taking a breather in this cult and actually like doing some internal work for her is kind of a good thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it gets it gets cut short because Nige is more important. And yeah. unfortunately, the the commune does not agree. And most of them die for that. Right. Because um, which. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's like Ava says to her at one point, Nige is not your friend. Nyjah doesn't care about you. She doesn't know you. Like, and that is true. I, that is just something that Dre does not want to listen to or believe. So yeah. Ava was right in some ways, but she was also trying to get her to join this cult. And also, too, yeah, that's another thing is it's like they they say, oh, you you can leave. Like, you're free to leave. Because to be fair... I don't think Dre had any intentions of killing any of them, but they do threaten her. Now, granted, 
It was a like threat, but it was a threat. But it was absolutely also a threat. granted, she did kill someone, and they did clean her car. Like she deserved to be threatened. I I want to be Fair. like Dre. <laughs> like they did cover up the murder. Definitely deserved to be threatened with the. But also, the only reason that they will used that information against her was just because she no longer wanted to stay at the commune. They had no intentions of ever telling anybody about that. Had Dre decided to stay, um, it was just something they were going to use against her to prevent her from yeah. leaving, and so. So she killed three of them instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, so she murders them and still heads to the festival. Yeah. But of course, she's too late. She missed. The, she's too late. She missed Nyjah and now has to just watch the playback highlights on her phone. And, and it's like once again, <laughs> we are at the end of an episode where people have died. Dre has done the absolute most, and still cannot get that that interaction with Nyjah that she truly wants. Mm-hmm. Um, also, everybody has been trying to figure out who bit Nyjah. That's another thing right, that, that she's that, kind of like hiding from. <laughs> that's that's the second part forgot at the top of this too is like I love that that is a dynamic now too where mm-hmm. it's like I was the number one fan. I ran the Beehive fucking Twitter account. Now everyone in the Hive hates me. They don't yeah. know that it's me. But everyone hates me. Now I can I'm only getting imagine death threats. What that was doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. now they're like, whoever bit Nyjah can choke. And like all of this stuff, go play and try. Like they're saying all that stuff about her now. And she's yeah. just sitting there having a. And, and she texts Marissa, Are you still mad that I bit Nyjah? And it's like, she's obviously, she clearly obviously does feel very bad about it and like is very upset about it. But at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's almost like she's more upset that she may like about the outside opinion of it than how because mm-hmm. she's ready to move on. She's like, yeah, I bit her. OK, <laughs> what about it? <laughs> like, I feel like she's already ready to move We're on. Still yeah, <laughs> She still loves me like it's not a big deal. But yeah, she's kind of worried about the outside perception of of what everyone else is is thinking and she doesn't want anyone to find out that it was her obviously yeah (laughs) of course um but it is still a fun dynamic to have going around in the background Mm -hmm. um also one last note for this episode is it's not true but i do think it would be funny if the real reason why dre killed ava is because she forced her to go on that hike oh (laughs) oh girl i know i was like ain't nothing worse than starting a hike only for it to be the... the most intense hike of your life <laughs> and you can't back out. You're halfway through and you got to keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The pain on all their faces during that shit. Yeah, because Cricket um, was fighting for her life too. Was it Cricket or was it the other girl? One of them, Sawyer. Was, yeah, I, I don't remember her name. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was Cricket. It was like... It was the newer yeah. girl. She was also struggling. <laughs> Um, but moving into episode five, we got Girl By. This episode was also directed by Ibra Ake. And this one got a little bit of a of a time skip, and we're also back in Texas. Mm-hmm. But this one, I love the intro. It's a plot point that has been going on for a little bit now that you pointed out, Erica. But now we got an issue with it, where it's like she's been using Marissa's phone mm-hmm. this whole time. Um, who's paying for that phone? Like, who's paying to keep that phone on it's a question i didn't ask myself until this episode yeah. but that's the first thing that we got to deal with and of course it, it is revealed that her parents marissa's actual biological parents have turned the phone off 
Um, and Dre is not happy about that. Yeah. Though I do love the interaction with the clerk. I think that that Same. back and forth also, is so fun. I love Ricky Thompson, who plays the clerk. <laughs> I love him. I was so excited to see. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that he was in the show so i was very excited to see that skin popping as always um <laughs> but yeah she oh also something i noticed so uh the clerk pulls up the in phone information and the reassignment date for like the phone number to go to somebody else is my birthday oh was it actually it was <laughs> I said, oh, oh ah, <laughs> not me being You're part connected. of the series. Thank you. I got a little excited. I was like, okay. But little Erica cameo in there if you look yes, close. Enough. You can see me on the screen. Shout out. Shout <laughs> out to that. But this is the first time because, like I said, we still don't know the relationship that Dre has completely to Marissa. But the the most that we know is in the very first episode, she gets kicked out of the funeral. And mm -hmm. their reasoning is it's family only. And Dre says, I am her family, but she is asked to leave. And yeah. um, so she can't, she, she, this is her lifeline. And like the phone is getting shut off. She tries to get it like turned back on. And the clerk is like, yeah, for sure. Let's just call Harrison Jackson. And she is very adamant against doing that. Um, Dre has no ID. She's going by Marissa's name at this point. She's like, because mm -hmm. she has to use her name to try and get the phone reactivated. She has no idea. She has no way to prove that, you know, what's happening is what's happening. I will. And she's given off real sketch. She's energy. given off very manic, like energy. Like you can just tell that something weird is going on. I will say he is very, very accommodating to her, considering mm -hmm. the fact that she only has so much information. I think that now when it comes to a family member's death, things are a little bit different with like how you have to handle stuff like that, like with a phone, like getting a phone switched off and stuff like she maybe could have mentioned that and maybe he like would have been like, okay. Like, let's see what we can do, figure that out together. But at the end of the day, Harrison has the biggest say because he is the one who is paying for the phone. So mm -hmm. she, I don't know what she really thought <laughs> she was about to make happen, but <laughs> she also ends up running into Erica, who is now mm -hmm. working at this mall. I will say before we go too far, this is another time where I was like, is Dre about to do something to him? here mm. in public mm -hmm. she had that look in her eyes where i thought is she about to kill him <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> she just leaves but she has this moment where you can just see her rage like seething beneath the surface and mm -hmm. again shout out to dom for portraying all of those emotions on screen because she does it and you feel it mm. every time stressful but she meets up with Erica and she has this very emotional moment where she lies and says yeah. that she is now the makeup artist of Nyjah's mom because mm -hmm. Marissa, that's what Marissa wanted. She wanted to be a makeup artist. And so she lies and says that she kind of like followed in her footsteps. And I think it's so mm -hmm. interesting because I do think that there is a part of Erica who does not believe her. Believe but it. Once yeah it to be true for her because 
I think she feels for her. I think considering all that's happened, I think it's kind of changed the way that she handles Dre. She's much Mm -hmm. gentler with her now than she was in the past, which I also think is just another aspect of like Marissa's death seemingly took a toll on her. She's like a mom now. It seems like she's at a very different stage in her life, but she Mm -hmm. is much, much kinder and compassionate to Dre now than we've ever seen her be in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, there's something like profoundly kind of sad about that sequence. Um, and that energy of like feeling bad for her, right? Where it's just like, we all know that she's lying, mm-hmm. but it's watching her get so elaborate in this lie. And for what seems like herself, really believe mm-hmm. it. I think she knows that she's lying, but feels like she truly believes, like, no, yeah. this is actually what happened. Um, and that level of like kind of delusion is just very scary at this point in time, mm-hmm. right? Especially with her being back in her hometown, which if it's your first time watching, you're like, well, fuck, why are we back here? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to what's gonna go down? It is such a strange and kind of funny button that she has her, like, take a sip of her milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this weird power dynamic move is, but okay. I still like the choice. It's just such a strange button. Oh, it would have been, it feels so condescending in a way. It right. it's like it sip, feels sip my drink sweet, <laughs> but at the same time kind of condescending. I just it's like something about like there's like submission, mm-hmm. like something in there. I don't know. It's I think it's just at at the end of all of that, and it you can tell it kind of takes her Erica by surprise. She kind of doesn't know mm-hmm. what to do with it, and then it's like okay, sure. It's <laughs> it's a it's a choice <laughs> that Dre made. I, yeah. <laughs> But that happens, we get that. And from there, we then explore another dynamic that has kind of been in the background, but we haven't really looked at yet, which is what is the dynamic between Marissa's biological family and Dre? Mm. You can guess probably not good because Dre breaks into their house, which Dre, at this point, like I know that you are confident in some of your abilities, but I just like, I don't know how you thought this situation was going to go. What also why did they leave their window open? I know it's up on that the <laughs> the second floor but lock your windows. I they live in a very nice neighborhood. They're basically living Uncle Phil style, very very fresh prince esque house. It's mm-hmm. a very very nice house and yeah, Dre that's basically the rest of the episode is Dre breaking in to try and threaten Harrison into turning the phone back on. And that's the la- that's the second half of this episode is like a yeah. confrontation between all of them because what if this is still your first time watching, you're still not quite sure the dynamic of this family. And we see that there was a brother that was uh, like died at six days like they had a baby who did not live for very long a little boy and then we see that there's a family photo of all of them but they folded it so dre is not showing in the frame it's like just mm-hmm. the two parents and marissa which like if you're gonna do all that just rip her off just just yeah just cut it out why would you fold what's it what's the point just rip her yeah. just cut her out like you don't want her in the picture it's fine but 
what we do come to discover is that Dre is adopted. And from the way that Harrison speaks about it, he treated Dre like she was a check from the state, yep. basically, that because of them taking care of her, they got money for that, uh, which is which is a thing that happens like with with foster kids. And but he really saw whether that is true of how it started or not. That is what it was or became for him because it's mm -hmm. like he had a business that fell through all that stuff that was happening in their life. I'm sure that they probably did want another kid, especially it seems like probably Marissa really wanted a sister. It seems like Patricia, who is the mother, is a little bit nicer to Dre. Like, yeah, she's a little bit more calm with the situation. But Harrison ain't about he he's he's sick of the shit. Now, granted, Dre is sitting there with a gun in his wife's face. So True. like, girl, <laughs> after being in his mind, the cause of his daughter's death, right. I, I get the rage that is building mm -hmm. in this man at this point in the story. Um, but yeah, like you said, the rest of the episode really is that confrontation. Um, she tries the threat. Harrison's having none of it. Mm -hmm. um, shotguns her ass out of the house. She jumps out of a two, three story window fucks up her leg yeah. and uh, kind of scurries off into the night. Hobbles off, but not before seeing a shrine that was in Marissa's room for mm -hmm. Nyja. It was like a makeup vanity that had Nyja's pictures around, but then it also had this huge picture of Marisha, Marisha, Marissa. <laughs> and Dre kind of gets like captivated by it for a moment. And I think a lot of that also has to do um, with as she's got, as she was getting older, Marissa really moved away from her obsessive love of Nyjah and became more of a fan, just like a casual fan, still loved mm -hmm. her music, still loved her, but she was nowhere near what it seemed they both were in the beginning and nowhere near where Dre was in at that stage of her life either. And I think this is an indication of like how much she used to really love Nyjah. And I think it's another time where like Drake, combines the two in her mind and right. like i still idolizes both of them um there's also this moment when she's running away where dre is like she hated you to harrison mm -hmm. and i thought that very well i i think that very well could have been true but i also think that there's like marissa probably just hated the fact that she never could have like her own life and we also find out too that a lot of their life and the life that they were living was the money that marissa's parents were giving to marissa yeah. that she was secretly using on the rent to take care of her and dre and so like yeah. marissa was still living a lot of her life for dre and mm -hmm. that is something that i think we discovered just more as we watch the show. And so it is not, it's not like fair for Harrison to blame Dre and like put that on her. But from his perspective, he doesn't know like what's been happening. And yeah. all he knows is that they've been like having this secret life together. And now Marissa's dead. And she's been like going behind their backs and lying to them. Mm -hmm. Um, about kind of what they're off doing. And as far as yeah. I know, Dre has not been 
helping with that at all, which is true. Dre was not helping with the mm-hmm. rent. So it's like, yeah, we get a lot of this backstory. It's it's an intense way to provide this backstory, but it's mm-hmm. still uh, an entertaining way to get some vital information, I think, for all of us as the audience. Um, and then it leads us into the other, what I would consider kind of like bottle episode, mm-hmm. but just because it's stylistically so different than everything else. <laughs> yeah. Because we're in episode six, which is Fallen Through the Cracks. Uh, this one directed by Stephen Glover. Uh, this is like our true crime mm-hmm. episode. And the first time I was watching through this show, this episode caught me off guard just because I wasn't expecting it. But then also I remembered Atlanta yeah. and I realized I should have been expecting it. Because right. like they do like to do that where they just fully switch genres at any given moment. But this one leans real heavily into this idea that this is not a work of fiction. All of this is based off of something true. Um, and so, yeah, we're following uh, Memphis detective Loretta Green is doing like a mockumentary about how she figured out that Dre mm-hmm. was the common factor between all of these seemingly unconnected murders. I love this episode because I think it's such a smart way to fill in the blanks for us and really give us the information that we've been wanting without it feeling like an exposition dump. But at the same time, it's completely an exposition dump. But stuff like that Mm -hmm. is okay in documentaries like that because you do have moments where people just sit down and completely answer questions and fill in the information for you. And I think this is the best way to do that whilst also playing up this idea of, yeah, this is real. And then the show that you're watching is based on these real life events, even though this is Mm -hmm. within the show. I like the way that all of that gets tied together. And I actually even, and I like the placing of it because From this, we learn everything that we need to know about Dre prior to the very end of the story. And I also think that from five to seven is one of the biggest jumps we'll see personality wise with Dre. And this kind of Mm -hmm. serves as like a little breakup between that. It gives you a little bit of space. So then you when you jump back in. Because of where this episode ends, when you jump into seven, it's not such a drastic change because we know right. what Dre has become at the end mm-hmm. of episode six. And so then seven just basically stands kind of in the middle time wise, because then you get to see like the exact events that, that led up to her arrest at the end mm-hmm. of six. Yeah. And so Like, to be fair, there's not, like, too, too much in this episode that I have notes on, Mm -hmm. per se, because, like you said, a lot of it is kind of exposition and backstory. Um, But the things that I enjoy about this one, outside of just the creative liberty that they take with the genre that we're using, or it's not genre, but the style of the episode, is I do love some of the humanizing of Dre that Mm -hmm. happens during the episode, despite the fact that we learn that she has a very troubled past. Um, I love the interaction with the lady that runs the foster, the foster home where Dre originates from and like her, despite the fact that like she, of course, in the moment doesn't have all the information, right? She doesn't know that Dre at this point has murdered a Mm -hmm. gaggle of people and is on an absolute tear right now. 
but she stands by this idea that like if there is trouble with people from foster homes it's a lot of it's because you just don't understand the true turmoil of what these kids have gone through and like what is behind the scenes and i just love that this deep in the show we still got justification in that way and it wasn't from a character that it made sense from Or like it would absolutely make sense that she would feel the way that she felt in the moment despite what we know right like you kind of want to like yell at the screen and be like no you don't get it but you do right and i think that that's such a smart thing to place here um i mostly just echoing what you said of like the placement of this information and this episode i just think is really really Mm -hmm. good well and then there's the question of did dre get as much help as she needed or as much like love and care as she needed because she one thing that they talk about is like hey a lot of the kids that come through here are need special attention or they need you know they have disabilities or they have this and they have this and it's very important that they get put into the right home but what we have seen is that maybe the jacksons weren't fully prepared for what came with dre and what Mm -hmm. she needed from from that because if they were if harrison was treating her like a check like how much was he like was he there for patricia says that she wishes she had done more which you know at at the same time there's only so much you can do for people sometimes but you do have to wonder because we don't know like so much of dre's life is still a a question mark for us because she goes back into foster care. We don't know what happens between then and when she gets back with Marissa. When did their, has their relationship always continued? When did their relationship get back? When did they move in together? She has this moment where she attacks a girl from their school. She stabs her, which is most likely also where Marissa's scar is from on her arm is she probably got it somewhere within that little scuffle. And that's probably why Dre always like kisses it and was always like doing all this stuff to it. Mm-hmm. It's probably because she felt bad about what happened, but yeah, she was violent and she had outbursts, but we also know that she was made fun of heavily at school. It didn't seem like she did particularly well in school. And really Marissa was like kind of her only lifeline uh, throughout life. And so there's so much of, of Dre that we don't know about and we still don't know by the time this is over and so then yeah it poses that question of did she get failed did the system fail her did like life fail her what happened to her when she was younger what happened to her parents like there's all of these Mm -hmm. things that we don't know about her and so i think it just makes puts things a little bit more in perspective because you think you know kind of what has led up to it and then now you're finding out all these other things where it's like okay well it makes sense on why she is doing all this stuff now we got signs of it when she was younger and maybe marissa was the only thing that was kind of holding her together and now that's Mm. gone but at the same time like who knows what the fuck was going on like yeah behind the scenes so it's like we get a, a, a ton of information but yeah there's a lot that's still kind of left up a mystery um but we do end this episode finding out that uh dre is now tony Mm -hmm. and has started a new life somewhere else and we are going to 
attempt to go find Tony and see if we can put in a put a pin in all of this. Mm-hmm. Now, my I guess there's two things I'm wondering. One, um, they do drop a number, and I'm just curious, homies, who's called that number? I I like I'm not gonna call the number, <laughs> but I am curious where it will take you. Um, so if you have, let me know. Mm-hmm. But also, in my head canon, this series ends on episode six and then episode seven goes after five more so seven is like an epilogue to me Mm. i feel like we drop the true crime facade of things after episode six and episode seven's more just like a this part hasn't happened yet because we end six with like uh andrea green is still out there missing somewhere if you have information call this number yada yada well, yada no they have her at, at the end of six she's in custody oh she's in custody so her storming the stage all the stuff that happens in episode seven is what happens mm-hmm. at the very end of six they have her arrested and the lady's like loretta's like i hope i get there before she posts bail and they're saying that they uh... reopened all the cases to relook at it but they haven't pinned her for those cases yet so she's still technically is innocent in those cases but they reopened them ah okay you know what there you go that's the that first time <laughs> clarity i needed because even so i mean we're we're gonna obviously go into episode mm-hmm. seven now too but like so episode seven only god makes happy endings mm-hmm. this one the last episode of the series also directed by adama um this one follows what happens when Dre is living their Tony life. And so the first time I watched this, I thought that this was like an imagination of a scenario that mm. could have potentially happened post the events of everything else. And then watching it this time through, I did see some parallels between like the images that we got of the person running on stage in six mm-hmm. and then seven. But I still hadn't fully grasped, like, what exactly was happening in Mm. 7. That note that you just gave (laughs) does answer a lot of my questions Mm -hmm. that were kind of swirling around this episode. So I guess I'm going to pivot to just asking you how you felt about this one as, like, a conclusion to the story. I mean, I really liked this episode a lot. I think that the thing about it is you finally get to see what could potentially be if Dre kind of lived for herself and not for Nyja. It's such a weird feeling to want things to go well because she's in this relationship that's actually going quite well. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you have to think about it and you're like, this girl's dating a serial killer and she doesn't know. And so you don't want, like, you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's almost sort of nice to see dre in such a different light she's dating someone who doesn't like nyjah at all and like that's okay from the jump from day one she she knew that and she was okay with that because she liked this girl so much but at the end of the day dre is so far deep within the world of nyjah that she can maybe put that on the back burner for a little bit, but she will never fully be free of that. And so that will always be the most important thing in her life. Right. And I think as a result, she is always just going to hurt people. And she does hurt her. Is it Rashida? 
Rashida, yeah. yeah. She does hurt Rashida, which I love this argument that they get in, by the way. I think it's it's mm-hmm. so great. Because so much of like Rashida is, I think, exactly what Dre needs. She has a loving, stable family. Uh, she's a real go-getter. She is very loving and caring. And she obviously is really into Dre. And like she's kind of taking care of them. In some ways, I think this is probably the closest Dre will get to another Marissa. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. But once again, because that is the case, there is only so much that Rashida can take. And once again, Dre drops a fucking bag on Nyjah tickets when the when she's been telling the other person that she can't pay rent, but she can pay for tickets. And it's Mm-hmm. selfish and it upsets the other person and they get very 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 mad about it yeah and now she gets real heated in that argument mm-hmm. rightfully so rightfully so i think every everything that she's pissed about is coming from a real place it's just like there's such a weird like stockholm syndrome feeling in that argument i think from the part of dre where we know what that meant to dre to get those tickets Mm -hmm. we know what kind of gesture that was for dre and we know that this is still in line with like perhaps a better version of herself that she's being here but it's still a selfish act yeah and it's still rooted in her very unhealthy obsession with nyjah and so it's like i i feel like i simultaneously feel bad for dre getting ripped into by Rashida, but also it's like she's right, right? Dre, like everything she's saying is right. But then I flip again, where I'm like, Rashida, you're going real hot on your uh, on your partner that you don't know has murdered several <laughs> people, and I know where this is going, right. but you don't know where this is going, and I'm getting real stressed out right yeah, now. Yeah, it's hard to watch because yeah, you know that this is probably not going to end well, but at the same time. There's really nowhere else this could go because Dre is still... Dre hasn't grown. She's changed, but she hasn't grown. She is a different person because she has to be, because she has to adapt and change. But at the end of the day, Dre in this moment being yelled at by Rashida is the same Dre that was being yelled at by Marissa. She like is is still making those poor decisions and she is still putting this love for Nyjah above all else. And she is still kind of putting a burden on the person that she is with and putting a lot of weight on that person. And yeah, once again, like Marissa, Rashida has reached a breaking point. And as a result, I think from just what she's saying, what she's saying about Nyjah, and I think because it probably reminds her a lot of what happened with Marissa and just I think a culmination of everything also causes Dre to reach a breaking point and she kills Rashida and one of the few times where we actually see her feel like we've seen her get upset after killing people before but first of all this is a very different MO than we've ever seen her kill like she doesn't normally strangle people and secondly, I think the way that she gets emotional in killing her is very different than we've ever seen her yeah. get emotional over someone else. And I think this is the moment of time where it's like, if she's going to kill her, she it's she's done. Like, there's nothing, mm-hmm. there's no coming back. 
I think Dre is gone. Like it's it's a wrap. Because if she's gonna kill yeah. Rashida, then like truly there is no hope for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which I mean we should have known by this point, which, but it's yeah. still just <laughs> it still it feels bad because like yeah. yeah we spent a good chunk of time just watching this. Uh, red flag filled but somewhat sweet relationship mm-hmm. develop um but it unfortunately takes a turn that we all should have expected it to take um she kills R- rashida and has decided that well all that's left is to go see my my queen my idol nija mm-hmm. i got tickets so at least i got that going for me never mind they were in her pocket and I am currently burning her body, so I lost my tickets. Yeah. We are back in the series of unfortunate <laughs> events that is Trey's life. And, I mean, this one is fully self-imposed. But still, again, the framework of how these situations happen, insane. But, yeah, she loses her tickets because she burns them. And is like, there is no other option than to go to this show yeah they're not there nothing is stopping dre from getting to this show like this is tonight's the night there's no other mm-hmm. night so all of the stuff getting into the show i love all of that because it all makes sense all of it tracks mm-hmm. uh she tries to very badly talk her way into the venue where it's like absolutely not like no one's gonna right well <laughs> and the thing about it that's so crazy is it's like she's telling half truths if everything was true, she actually has many ways she could get into the venue. That's, yeah. I, that's actually the thing. You're right. Where it's like, if she had actually done the normal stuff, yes, yes. you could have easily been gotten your tickets. Fine. Because all she needs is either a phone to show her digital tickets, which she doesn't have, or she needs an ID to show that she <laughs> bought the tickets, which she doesn't have. So then she's backed up into her corner, has to get tickets from a scalper, has no money, so she kills him. Which leads us to the end of her finally getting in there. She finally gets to see Nija. She jumps over the barrier. Not a security guard in sight. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets up <laughs> onto the stage. And there's a very kind of dreamlike quality yeah. to the way that this section looks. The lights are mm-hmm. a little bit too vibrant. And they're kind of off. And there's a little bit of a kind of like sapia tone warm glow to everything Mm -hmm. and she gets up there and everything goes as we expect she gets stopped everybody's like yelling security grabs her but then nyjah says wait stop steps into the (laughs) light and it's like (laughs) we're back at cgi baby i think it's like chloe bailey's face morphed with nyjah's it looks i don't like it (laughs) it's like it's off-putting but i think it's it's supposed to be that's why i had my confusion about like what is actually happening in episode seven Mm -hmm. because of this sequence in particular where we i think collectively know that's not what went down this is clearly a delusion right now she's making all this up in her head um, and I think the style of the way that this stuff is shot shows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always kind of just confused on the extent of like where Dre's imagination started and when it ended. Yeah. Um, but it feels like the moment she's on the stage, she's already 
in a different place, it almost feels like. I feel like she got pulled up. I feel like when she starts to get dragged off, from the moment Nyjah turns around and is like, or from the moment Nyjah like steps back into the light, I think she's gone. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and that once again, yeah. So we see that she is morphing once again. Nyjah and Marissa is, has become one thing. And by meeting Nyjah and being there, it kind of feels like Marissa's back in that she's done everything that she said that she would do and that she's made her sister proud, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think that this is all a delusion, especially, too, I think when she's walking back down the stairs, uh, she's probably walking with a police officer. Um, Mm -hmm. She's probably being put into a police car. Police car, yeah. all of that, but she just imagines it being (laughs) Manija. She imagines that (laughs) being, like, something nice and fulfilling even though at the end of the day she is being taken into custody, she has not gotten to meet Nyjah. None of that has come to fruition. But I just don't mm-hmm. think that Dre is. I everything that has happened within the last twelve hours, I just think we've lost her. I, I think yeah. she's broken because we've already seen quality like times where she disassociates. Because even the thing where she attacked all the girls at the sleepover. And then she thought that she was back and she had spilled milk. She like Mm -hmm. thought that she had spilled milk at a grandmother's house. It's like she had totally been in a different place. I think we've seen that she can, she's done that before. And I think that this is that happening again. And she is just, she's had to go somewhere else to deal with this. She's not coming back Mm -hmm. from this one. Um, Yeah. So it's like an appropriate but sad ending for a very violent and destructive character, but also a character that despite everything, you still just kind of feel bad for Mm -hmm. because it's just like the side effect of an unhealthy obsession um, with someone else just in general. Like we have it framed here with an idol, of course, and like toxic fandom, but it's just like, I think at a human level, that obsession with just another human being Mm -hmm. and like, what that can potentially do to you and if you don't have the same i guess boundaries set for yourself that other people have like what lengths you'll fucking go to right for these people it's like a it's a crazy exploration of that mm-hmm. and despite the heightened nature of the show i still think it does a good job of like bringing up some of these concerns and just yeah. like putting a little bit of a of a mirror to what it's like to be a diehard fan of something. Definitely. I mean, I think especially with social media, which is so much a big part of this series as well, is like a lot of what we get comes through social media. I think that that relationship has really blurred the lines for a lot of people. And I feel like Mm -hmm. having a character like Dre is such an example of, yeah, when you hold someone who you don't know on this like idol status, it kind of, you can't find any faults with them. Everything that you see makes like of them is so beautiful and they make you feel so good and there's nothing wrong with them. And so I think when other people point out, try and point out their flaws and point out things that are wrong with them, it's upsetting because like Mm -hmm. this is a person that you can't, like 
you don't, since you'll never know them in real life, you'll never really know if they're what kind of person they are. And so like you fall in love with their image and who they are. And I just feel like it works so well in the terms of this show and like the character of Dre. Obviously we're adding on (laughs) some very extreme circumstances within the show and Mm -hmm. we're adding on some extra elements of Dre and her trauma and what that, how that bleeds into her relationship with Nyjah. But I think what is so good about it as well, though, is I think when they add in other fans, it it becomes a little bit more real because a lot of the other yeah. fans are much more realistic versions of what we see. Mm-hmm. Like Dre is the extreme, but everybody else, like the ones who say these terrible, horrible things, like that's a day-to-day basis. That's normal. Yeah. And so I feel like adding those two into the same reality, it works really well. Um, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that most of what is in this show is a little bit more heightened, like I said, I do think that it is also very grounded, which is, I think, also why it's so off-putting at times, because the groundedness of it is what makes you feel gross. (laughs) Feel feel real, real down in the dirt with some of these moments. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, that is the entirety of swarm uh all seven episodes Mm -hmm. now of course there is i think no question that i enjoy this uh series Mm -hmm. um but the last mystery of the night is whether or not erica i think equally enjoyed this series so let's figure out uh what we're gonna rate this out of and then jump from there uh did we i the only time i could think we did bees was for Candyman. Ooh, we, we had we we've done t- we've done two Candyman I know. <laughs> movies, so we might have used bees. Um, we could do hives. We could do beehives just to be to fully combine safe. the two of them. Mm-hmm. We could do beehives. I I know for sure we haven't done that. Yeah, so. let's 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 just go with that. Okay. <laughs> um, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Okay. Um. So I, I'll, I'll break the seal here and say that for me, I think that Swarm is a solid 4.8 out of 5. Okay. Um, I really, really enjoyed this series. Even the second time around, I actually think I enjoyed it even more, um, if not just as much. Uh, there's just a lot to love. Um, of course, on a base level, the acting across the board, not just from Dom, but from, I think, a lot of the cast is really well done. Going back to that grounded feeling, I think that there were essences of a lot of different people from different walks of life that were captured throughout the course of this show. And so watching those people interact with Dre is just a very fascinating experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the stylistic choices from the directing to a lot of the set design. Um, I thought the script was very strong. Pacing for things is magnificent. Again, this is such an easily bingeable show, um, despite the fact there's there's just so much content to consume. And the story is just very gripping. It's very interesting. And like I do love when movies, series, franchise, whatever do take a stab at things that are already existing in like the everyday zeitgeist of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that toxic fandom is something that everybody knows about. Everybody's had some kind of interaction with. And I think this, this 
series is a good job of showing the like utmost extreme of like where that could potentially go yeah um yeah i just think it's a really creative show again i'm a big fan of atlanta so this was like right up my alley yeah um but yeah overall i think it's pretty damn fantastic and i'm gonna give it a 4.8 out of 5 beehives okay i'm gonna give it four out of five beehives i solid okay i it took me a minute. I, I'm not going to lie. Like that first episode, it did take me a minute to get into things. But by the end of it, I was fully on board. These episodes fly by really, really easily. Um, they The story, I think, moves at a pace that makes a lot of sense and moves in a way that makes a lot of sense. Like I said, it's weird because not a lot happens in these episodes, but it feels like a lot happens in these episodes. And I think that that is a testament to the writing and the acting. Like it's hard to make a little bit of something feel like a lot. And they did do that in a good way. Um, I really, really loved the ending. I really loved episode six. I love when when series do like random genre shifts in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. I think it was so great. And yeah, there's a lot of moments of this show that I think were so successfully done. I love seeing all the cameos. Everybody was great in it. But I think like Dominique as Dre was a highlight of of this. And if nothing else, I so I so enjoyed watching Dre kind of shifting throughout her life and being somebody different every episode was really, really fascinating. I also love seeing her hair change. I was like, what's it going to be this time? Mm -hmm. What hairstyle we got this time? Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed this. I would like to watch it again just because I think it's a quick and easy watch. And, yeah, I don't know. I I think even though it was different than what I was expecting, I'm still really, really satisfied with the story that I got. And, yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. So, so four, four out of five beehives, mainly because... It wasn't like the best that I've mm-hmm. seen. And there were moments that I felt maybe it was like I was it was a little long at times, moments, specific moments, but still a very successful show. And I think overall at this point, we're kind of squared on our on our picks. I think we're back to neutral yes. now. So that's also nice. Yes, we're back to neutral. We both got our long our long picks where we got to break down a whole series or a whole franchise. And we're back to one movie next week, folks. Get ready for that. <laughs> but we would love to talk to you homies about this show. You can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer to email us, we are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. You can always slip into the discord. If you'd like to chit chat with not only us, but the other homies, the link for that is in our social media bios. Come through have some talk about horror but other things as well we'd love to see you in there if you're listening to this on monday that means we are streaming on twitch tonight twitch is where we play spooky games have some drinks have some laughs we would also love to see you guys in the chat over there you can find the link for that also in our social media bios and last but never least if you are so inclined we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or review you can do both on apple Podcasts. the more ratings and reviews we get the better recommends our show to more listeners and we just like to hear what you homies are thinking of the show so if you have an app Apple account and haven't done that we'd love for you to over on spotify you can rate us by simply clicking the stars underneath our names and it's best to just go ahead and give us a good rating because you don't want the fans 
We don't want the fans coming after you. <laughs> be careful with what you say is all I'm trying to say. Um, but that's it for us and our discussion on Swarm. We hope you homies have a great rest of your week. And like I said, we'll be back with one movie coverage next week. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.